I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's drive from work. This is my second ever drive from work. So I'm here with uh, Melissa Totoro, who has, I, she had to come with me to work, so she's going home. We decided to do a second podcast because I'm trying to milk as much material out of Melissa as I can. So, okay, so the topic on the ride home for this one is going to be about the Pro Tour. So I figured out that I attended most of the Pro Tours from 1996 through 2004, and Melissa started attending Pro Tours in 2003? Correct. So between the two of us, we hit most of the eras of the Pro Tour. So we're going to talk about the Pro Tour then and now. So when's the la- what's the last Pro Tour you played in? The last one I played in was uh, Honolulu, so it was Pro Tour Concept Park here, and it was only like six months ago. Yeah, see, back in my day, we never went to Hawaii. So uh, there's been like three or four Pro Tours in Hawaii, but that's all after I stopped going to the Pro Tour. Yep, I, I've been to two Hawaii Pro Tours, and they were awesome. So uh, one thing we used to do that we don't do as much is back in the day, um, we used, the way they used to do it is there would be um, three Pro Tours. One would always be in North America, one would always be in Europe, and one would always be in Asia, usually Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, 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 they do some of that this year, but I'm not sure if it's quite as... Like, it was always sort of... We would we would rotate back in the day. Um, yeah, now it's pretty much mostly North America and usually one Europe. Yes, sure. There's not as many as Japanese. Oh, there's zero Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Like, usually every year. Like, once a year, yeah. we'd go to Japan. Yeah, I think, like, with the coverage now, it's, like, pretty expensive to uh, ship the equipment out there. Yeah. So, no more Japan. And I guess also, like, all plane tickets are paid for now also, so I guess that's an expense, too. Well, the other thing that's different is, like, now we have coverage. Back in the day, because I, I was in charge of a lot of stuff, and, like, we would have feature matches, and there would be, you know, internet coverage of feature matches, but it was all written. And then um, we would have finals that we would shoot on video, but the, you couldn't see them on the internet. It was something that, like, we, we later, I think, put some of the... We, we used to have an ESPN show we did for a while, and we'd use some of the footage on that. Um, but it just, it's a very, very change of pace between kind of what we used to do back then and now as far as coverage, and it's very different. Uh, one other thing is, if I'm, I, I could be mistaken, but like cameras were so bad back then that for the top eight, everyone had to unsleeve their decks. Oh, no, no, that's not why. Oh, that's not why? No, okay, the reason so they unsleeved the decks then. was the lighting, which was the lights would reflect off the, card, the cards, and okay. it just, we got a lot of glare, and you just couldn't see the cards. Oh, that's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah that's so... It's a, it's, a camera, it's, it's a camera thing, but it was a, it was a glare thing. Um, in fact, it's funny, one of the things, I used to give a little speech because I was, uh, one of my jobs was when you made the top eight, I would sit you down and then I have to talk to you and tell you what was coming up for the next day, for the, the, the day of filming. Um, and you would, you would fill out a form and give us information uh, and we'd get deck lists and then we, we'd have to tell you about a whole bunch of different things so that you knew what was coming up. And like, you had a D-sleeve, that was one of the things we used to tell them. Um, but it was, it was funny because uh, most of the rules came about because we would mess something up and then the next, like, uh, there's a very, I think I told this story in my podcast, but there's a very famous story where, um, uh, what was his name? Um, Dominic Krapachets, um, the guy who ended up playing um, the, the first pro tour that um, John Finkel ever won in New York, his opponent was Dominic Krapachets. And Dominic Krapachets also won, uh, also is the inventor of um, what's it called? A, a, a really good game where you have to bet on people. Uh, it's a trivia game where you bet on people. I'll call, the name will come to me in a second. Um, but anyway, he made top eight, left for the day, and um, 
it turns out that Scott Johns was actually in the top eight because his match got recorded wrong, and then I had to wake up early and get when Dominic first came in, and I had to tell him he didn't make top eight. Oh wow! Um, and then we we changed the rules so that like we made sure that all everything was incorrectly before we announced the top eight. So wow, that's crazy. Okay, so what's what's what, what is your favorite story of the Pro Tour? Um, well, I made top eight of a pro tour one time. That was pretty exciting. Okay, what's it? Tell me about that. What, what, so, what happened? Where were you? Okay, so it was in Montreal. It was pro tour gate crash, and the team I tested with was uh, Raphael Levy's team. Um, we named ourselves uh, Team Revolution, and it was a bunch of French guys, including Jeremy Dizani, who was like in his very early pro tour career. Um, Timothy Simino, who is a gold level pro right now. Uh, Pierre Dejean, who also top aided the pro tour that Dizani won. Um, some other French guys. And I just like asked them to join because like I didn't like I qualified for the Pro Tour so late and I didn't have a team to test with and I was friends with Raph so I asked him if I could play with him. He's like, yeah sure. So we tested together. And like we had a bunch of drafts. I was really prepared in draft and like for constructing we just couldn't decide on a deck. Like we just like we tried everything. Like, I was gonna play cruel, I was gonna play like Man control with no win conditions. So was the stick was standard the format? Yeah, the format was standard and it was gate crash, so it was uh Ravnica, return to Ravnica block and uh Innistrad block. So like Sphinx Revelation was a thing, Practus was a thing, um Aristocrat, uh John was pretty popular with Liliana of the Veil, like stuff like that. So so what what did you play? Um so I played this deck called Wolfrun Bant and Basically, it was a last-minute decision that Jeremy made to add Kessa Gulfrun to our band deck. And mana bases were, like, so good. You had Farseek that could get anything. And, like, we played zero non, uh, zero basic lands. So, like, the mana base was just incredible. And so I played probably one or two games with it before the actual Pro Tour. So I have zero experience with this deck. So um, I 3-0'd the first draft and went into the next uh, constructor, like, first round of constructor round four. Well, explain to people who might not know the Pro Tour how the Pro Tour is set up. Oh, okay, sure. So, um, the first three rounds are draft. They used to be constructed, but for some reason it's draft now. I'm not really sure why, but the first three rounds you do a draft, and you play people in your pod, um, you play people with similar record as you, and that's pretty much it. So, anyway, the constructed round, so I'm playing against this guy, it was, uh, a European guy. I don't remember his name, but I guess that's not the point. Anyway, he was playing a control deck, and I was playing a control deck, so I was like, all right, I think we're in for a long match, especially because I didn't really know how to play the deck very well. So so we play, and the match takes forever, like just a really long time. But as we're playing, I'm figuring out how to actually play. So we probably play about a 35-minute game one, and I end up losing. But then... When I lost, it hit me. I suddenly knew how to play this matchup. So I quickly won games two and three, and that and that was it. And then, like, I don't know, I just had an epiphany or something. I was like, all right, that's how you play this deck, sure. So then, like, all of my other matchups, um, I played against, like, actually, I, I got pretty favorable matchups in day one, so I ended up uh, going 8-0 on day one of the Pro Tour. How did that, that feel, 8-0 at the end of the day? Oh, it was actually really sweet. I had never done that before. Like, I had gone, like, in GPs, like, 801 or something, but never 90. So, like, this was, like, a first for me. So it was pretty cool. And people were like, oh, how'd you do today? And I was like, oh, uh, 80. And they're like, what? Like, they couldn't even believe me. Like, I was the only 80 in the tournament. So it, 
felt pretty sweet. So one of the, I mean, the, the elephant room, as they say, is the Pro Tour is, as of Gate Crash, was how many years old? Started in 1996. Gate Crash was it two years ago? Uh, this was 2012. Okay, so, so we're talking, uh, you know, 16 years into the Pro Tour, and there have been a lot of um, decent finishes by, by female players in Grand Prix, but up to this point in the Pro Tour, there never been a female in the top eight. Right, yep. that that never happened, um, and I know like I I, I remember you, I remember you making top eight because it, it was a it was a pretty big deal, um, and I know it's tricky because like I know you want to be sort of a, 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 of your own accomplishments, right? That that uh, I don't know. How do you feel about like how did it be to be the the first woman to ever top eight? All right, well, a couple things. One, I don't really like being a female magic player. I just rather be a, a magic player because I don't think it really matters what your gender is, you know, but. Um, and the, the second thing is, like, I've been playing for a long time. Um, when I was younger and I was playing, I did get treated pretty unfairly because I was a girl. It was like, oh, I lost to a girl. Oh, you know, like, this, like things you hear about all the time happened to me. But as I became a better player and I proved myself and was qualifying for Pro Tours a lot and, like, making top eight of PTQs all the time, I started to, like, gain some respect. And, I, and like, so, like, my peers consider me, like, one of the better players in the region. Um... So it felt good to, like, finally top eight a pro tour and have everyone who, like, treated me badly, uh, you know, ten or more years ago, like, to see me, like, accomplish this goal, you know? Like, like that felt pretty good to, like, be able to, like, show them that I could do that. And I had been trying to, like, like do well on the pro tour for so long. Like, I had done okay on the pro tour. Like, my best finish was top 64, but never better than that. So finally got over that barrier so that felt pretty good but as far as being like a female player I think it is it was pretty good like for the game because um like since that happened now more female players can say oh I can play magic too and I actually got a lot of emails and Facebook messages from female players like saying how much I inspired them and like dads who said like how much their daughter like wanted to be like me so that was pretty cool too so like overall it was definitely a good thing that, that this happened Okay, so um, you get to the top eight. Uh, so what happened in the finals? So you're in the quarterfinals. Who are you playing in the quarterfinals? Uh, so I played Tom Martell. And so the night before we tested the matchup, because like, that's just like what happens. Like You go back to your hotel room with your friends, and you just build all of the top eight decks, and you test your matchup. And we found the matchup to be pretty unfavorable to me, although on paper it looked great. You know, like I have a lot of creature control. He has a lot of creatures. So it seemed, like, easy. What was he playing? Uh, he was playing the uh, Aristocrat deck, so, like, the uh, Falconrath Aristocrat and a bunch of Sack Outlets and, like, Restoration Angel, um, uh, stuff like that. Um, there's this, like, 1-2 guy that makes 5-5s five with Morbid. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember the card names or anything, but... I never, um, I never remember the card names. <laughs> okay, but you might have an idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. So it was like, anytime I kill a guy, he can just make a 5-5 five, five demon, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, if I tap out for a Supreme Verdict, he can just cast uh, Falconrath Aristocrat and deal me four. And, like, I just, like, he had a lot of stuff with haste, and he just, like, his deck just never ran out of gas. So it was, like, a pretty bad matchup for me. And then in the top eight, um, I'm pretty sure game one played out like it was supposed to, and I lost... 
maybe I actually won and lost the next three. So currently, the top eight, you play best two out of three, but back then it was best three out of five. Yes. So this that, was that way for a long time, best three out of five. Yeah, for a long time it was best three out of five, and it was a recent change for best two out of three. Um, and the reason for that change was so coverage could show every single match in the top eight. Yeah. So this was the best three out of five. And I remember I won game one, and I was surprised. And then I just lost the next three. I remember two of the games I didn't draw very well, which happens. And then in the third game I lost, I made a mistake. I remember the mistake that I made. Um, he had a zealous conscript, and I had a thrag tusk. And um, he had a restoration angel also. So he cast the restoration angel to blink his zealous conscripts to steal my thrag tusk during combat. Um, and I just let him have it instead of thinking. Like, if I thought about it, I would have remembered to Azorius charm my own thrag tusk so I could uh, redraw it, gain five life, and get a beast. Instead, I just gave it to him, and that was, that was a huge mistake. I probably would have lost anyway, but I do remember that was the thing that I knew I lost when that happened. So... That was it. And then Tom went on to win the... Yeah, he won the, the, the entire whole, the event. Whole event yeah. so. um, to be fair, if I beat Tom, I my other matchups were actually very good. Tom was the one that... Like, so Tom's the one you had to beat. Yeah, so. he was the one I had to beat, yeah. Like, well, he, Tom's I, a really I good player. A so, I mean... Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Does it feel good that if you're going to lose, at least you lose to the guy who eventually won the whole thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, at least you can, like, go home and say, oh, well, at least the guy beat me won the whole thing so like clearly like I deserved to lose so what was your record going in the top 8 you were 8-0 first day um, it was it was X3-1 and one. Um, I remember I could in, uh, intentionally draw into the top 8 so yeah I'm pretty sure it was X3-1 and one. I lost one round of draft and two constructed rounds so obviously your, your top 8 is your is your best memory do you have other memories? This Pro Tours you went to, just something stands out as sort of, I don't know, your favorite Pro Tour beside the one that you did real well? Um, actually, yeah, like one of the most fun Pro Tours I went to was uh, Kuala Lumpur back in 2008. Sorry. And the reason why that one was fun was because, like, it was in Malaysia. Like, who even goes there, you know? Like, it was like a place I've never even thought that I would ever go to. It's funny, I went to Kuala Lumpur because the Invitational was in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, I remember when the Invitational was there, yeah. So that, that's, uh, so I, I, I haven't been there for the Pro Tour, but I went there for, uh, for the Invitational, so. You yeah. go to the Night Market? The what? The Night Market. No. Oh, there's this very famous, like, giant, like, uh, a flea market on steroids. And, oh, maybe uh, I did go, but I didn't know the name. Yeah, I it's called the Night Market, a, so. A it's a big there. part of Kuala Lumpur. Right? Yeah, yeah, all right. I definitely <laughs> went there, but I didn't know the name of it. But yeah, that was pretty cool. But the, another reason why it was so cool was because it was an all-draft Pro Tour. They don't do those anymore. Now they're split formats. But, like, years ago, they were only one format. It was either constructed, which could be block-constructed, extended, which isn't a thing anymore, or usually not standard, actually. Yeah, in the early days, we didn't do standard Pro Tours. All, we, we most of the time didn't do standard Pro Tours. Um, Worlds, which I guess technically was a Pro Tour, yeah, would have a standard component. Nationals was always standard. Right. Na- the regionals, nationals, and... and Worlds were had a had standard in it, but uh, we the Pro Tour for a long time didn't really do a lot of standard, and then we, we've obviously gone 180 on that, and now we do tons and tons of standard. So yeah, so um, and then there was draft. There was either booster draft or Rochester draft. This particular one was uh, booster draft, but Rochester draft, like the Pro Tours, always alternated 
between Rochester and Booster Draft? I don't know. It's up to people that might not know Rochester. Booster Draft is what everyone plays now. Rochester Draft is a draft where you open up the pack, you land all 15 cards, and then you take turns drafting it, but it's open information. Everybody sees what everybody else is taking. Yeah, and that also used to be a format on Magic Online, and it was pretty fun, but they did away with that too. I don't know. Yeah, what happened was, for those who wonder the fate of Rochester, um, when we first made up the different formats, we considered R&D considered Rochester to be the better format. It was more skill testing. Uh, we thought it was more skill testing. Um, but what happened was stores preferred playing a booster draft because, A, it was a lot more fun, it was quicker, and you didn't feel as bad because in Rochester, everybody sees every move you make. And if you make a bad pick, everybody's aware you made a bad pick. And in booster draft, you know, you no one saw what you picked necessarily. So, you know, you could make mistakes and it wasn't so obvious. And so the faster playing time and the kind of a less, you know, there's some more hidden information and it made people enjoy it much more. And so we eventually did away with Rochester and not a supported format anymore. Yeah, like, I think I preferred Booster Draft also and Rochester Draft to me was just, like, really hard because you had so many things to consider. You had to know what everyone was doing. You had to just keep track of what everyone drafted. And if you just, like, stop paying attention for a second and you miss something crucial, like, your draft could just be screwed. Right. So it was definitely, like, a much harder format to play and like um, one interesting thing though is like you knew who your opponent was because you just played the person like directly across you like four seats from you mm -hmm. so you could draft your deck to be that opponent of course maybe you lose to your other opponents but like that was definitely a thing that people did back then yeah for sure um, so what, what what's your favorite format you played in at a pro tour um, so my favorite format is Booster Draft. So that's why, like, I really like the Kuala Lumpur Pro Tour because it was all Booster Draft. So, like, if you like Booster Draft a lot, well, this Pro Tour, you get to draft, like, how many times is it? Five times? Yes, a lot of drafting. Like, I don't even remember how many rounds it was, but um, I want to say that it was three drafts day one. Does that sound correct? Uh, usually we did two drafts a day. Three is a long day if you did yeah, three. Because that means nine six, rounds in a day. It was so. only six rounds if you do uh, only two drafts, right? So should yeah, it could be three rounds. I mean, sometimes what they'll really do is day, uh, sometimes we would do drafts and you would save your decks for the next day. Oh, maybe we did that. So that, yeah, that's... all right, maybe we did that actually. That sounds yeah. All right, no, it, it could be you drafts. did two drafts, drafted the third draft, but didn't play till the next day. That's very possible. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah, this was like seven years ago. I don't really remember, but I do remember. What was the format? Uh, this was um, Lorwin. Lorwin, okay. Uh, did you like Lorwin draft? I did. I'm trying to remember if there was Morning Tide also. Um, I think it was just Lorwin. Um, uh, no, wait. It was Morning Tide. I remember this because I remember, like, so we're opening up our first packs, day one, first draft. And they're like, okay, guys, open up your packs and let the judge know if anything bad happens. Like, if, like make sure there's 15 cards. Like, one thing you have to do is you have to open your pack, count them to make sure it was 15 cards and, like, notify a judge if there isn't. And so the first pack back then was a Lorwin pack. Because, right. like, instead of drafting the way we do now where we draft the most recent set first, back then you drafted the older set first and then you drafted the new right. set. So it was A-A-B, not B-A-A. Yeah, so I opened up my first pack, not Lorwin pack. It was just a morning type pack, I guess. So I was like, uh, okay, judge, and then... The judge had to go over and replace the pack. Our draft pod was behind, and it was, like, kind of embarrassing, even though it wasn't my fault. Like, it was the 
someone just messed up. So, and then when we get to the next, like the third pack, which should have been a morning tide pack, um, it was a Lorwyn pack. So, again, had to call the judge, everything got messed up. So, that was pretty funny. Yeah, so Lorwyn was, uh, that was the heavy tribal set. So, I know there's, uh, people complained a little bit on rails because you had to, once you picked a, once you picked a, uh, creature type, you, you, you tend to get more forced in dropping a lot of that creature type. Yeah, I remember uh, most of the drafts I did were either elves or, like, elementals. I drafted a lot of red and green. Yeah, the, uh, so elves were green-black, right? And elementals were base red-blue? But they were in all the colors, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was base red for sure. And I think my deck was, like, either red-black or red-green or something, but... Elementals. Right. Elementals showed up in all the colors. They were heavier in blue and red. And then, but you could draft any. I guess the reason you go into elementals is you could take any colors because they're elementals in all the colors. Yeah, mana bases weren't so good though. So, like, generally you had to, like, stick to your tribe and stick to whatever your color pair was in your tribe. So, uh, so any other. We're, we're not too far from my house. So, any other. Uh, what's your favorite. Um, just moment, pro tour, pro tour history moment, like a singular moment where something happened at a pro tour. That's a really tough question. <laughs> Put you on the spot here. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, it could just be a neat play, it could be something that was just funny, I don't know, something where, it's just something memorable, I guess. Hmm. Um, so I guess... My answer would have to be uh, Pro Tour Theros, which was in Dublin, and it was the Pro Tour that we all played Mono Blue Devotion, mm-hmm. and we had uh, three of our team members in the top eight. We had Guillaume Wafotapa, who actually played us for not Mono Blue Devotion, and then we had two guys who played Mono Blue Devotion and made top eight, which was uh, Jeremy and uh, Pierre. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really cool because, like, that night when we back went back to our uh, where we were staying, we were staying at this hostel. We were like testing the matchups and like trying to do all this work to like help everyone win and then like Jeremy gets back to the room and he's like no don't worry about it don't test we're friends we're just going to play and have fun you know so I think if I remember correctly Jeremy played Guillaume in the top 8 and Guillaume like made this mistake that he never would have made like otherwise but because like they knew each other and tested they tested the matchup so much Mm -hmm. um, he just like did this thing that's like very common of like inbred playtesting. Um, I forgot what exactly it was. It was like I think it was involving like a thought seize. Like he thought seize was the wrong card, mm-hmm. and it was like a crucial card. And if he just like did what he should have done, like if he thought seize was the right card, he probably would have won. But like it was a, a like a card in testing, and like we always said, oh, this is the most important card of the matchup. You always thought seize this card. And he was like, all right, fine, I'll thought seize this card. But in that situation, it wasn't the right card. Yeah. Should have taken another card. So he ended up losing, and then, like, Jeremy went on to win the entire tournament and beat Pierre in the finals. So that was cool to be a part of that moment, to be on a team where, like, we had three people in the top eight. So can you hear Pro Tour trivia for you? Can you name the Pro Tour in which uh, number one, two, and three were all from the same team playing separate decks in Uh Yes, that would be Pro Tour Houston. Okay. I want to say it was 2002, but I could be wrong on the year. And it uh, was 2002 uh, sounds right. And it was Team Your Move Games. Okay. And who are the three players? I know the three players. I don't know the order. So it was uh, Justin Gary, yeah. Rob Doherty, Darwin Castle. Yes. Um, Justin won it for sure. Okay. Um, who was in the finals? I'm not sure who was in the finals. I, 
I'm not sure whether he played Doherty or Castle in the finals, but yes, very good. Yeah, I know that because I'm from New England and grew up playing with those guys. And um, my first pro tour, I actually was tested with them on uh, Team Your Move. Okay, I did, I did not realize that. So, uh, in fact, it's funny. I uh, just did an um, uh, article where I talked about uh, the finals that the, your, two, your, your team, your team, your, your team game, your move games, um, the one they won in uh, Pro Tour Washington D.C. So it was Doherty and Castle and uh, Humphreys. Yep. Um, and uh, Rob got super, super, super sick. Uh, but oh, play, play, play the finals anyway. Um, I think he got food poisoning. But anyway, he was like, literally, they 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 were dra- they, had, they drafted, and then he laid on the floor while they built his deck. Uh, but he managed to win. Well, deathly ill, he managed to win. So. Yeah, and um, that was like teams were different back then. Like for team pro tours, you couldn't communicate at all. Like zero speaking. Mm-hmm. Like you could ask what's your record to your teammate, but you couldn't give play advice. Like now for team tournaments, you can give play advice. You can all open communication. Um, I think the only thing you can't really do is, like, touch your teammates' cards or something. Like, right. manipulate their cards. So, like, well, to win being sick and, like, not having any help from teammates, yeah. that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it's, uh, I remember, uh, it's funny. When I think back, a lot of my favorite memories have to do with, like, the finals and the coverage, because I was in charge of doing coverage. And so, uh, that, a lot of the stuff I think about is stuff like that, where, like, we're doing coverage and someone's sick and things like that. But anyway, uh, we've just pulled into my driveway. So, ironically, most of the time when I'm in my driveway, it means we're starting the podcast. But today, it means we're ending the podcast. So, Melissa, thank you for joining me for, for two podcasts. You're welcome. And uh, I hope, uh, I'm glad you drove 40 minutes to, to join, join me today. So, anyway, guys, hope you had fun uh, listening to Melissa. And uh, oh, I just realized we have a short podcast today. Oh, wow. Oh, here's... Quick. Well, actually, here, we'll use up a little bit of time. The problem I just realized is my ride home is quicker than my ride to work because the traffic is less in the okay. afternoon. So, here, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more because I try to get close to the half an hour. So, we have, like, a few minutes to fill. Um, so, f- any final Pro Tour thoughts? Any final, uh, like, you miss, I mean, being an R&D, you can't play in the Pro Tour now. And, uh, yeah. Do you, do you miss the Pro Tour? Um, I miss going to the Pro Tour. So hopefully, like, I can go sometime as an R&D member and, like, talk to players and, like, do other R&D things there. Yeah, that's, that's one, of the, one of the perks of being an R&D is uh, we send a couple people to, the, to each pro tour. Um, I usually go to Worlds is where I tend to go. Because um, I have a streak. Well, not streak. I, I miss one Worlds. But I've been to every Worlds but one. So. Well, which one did you miss? I miss Rome. Okay. So, did you go to Rome? I did not. I only went to one Worlds. It oh, was what Worlds did you go to? Memphis 2008. Oh, okay. I was in Memphis 2008. Um... That was the one Worlds I qualified so for. So Memphis, who won Memphis? That was from Finland, right? Uh, Antti Malin? Oh, yeah, I remember him. We so. played at a Pro Tour one time, actually. Yeah, Memphis, my favorite thing in Memphis, that's several like Pro Tour memories, is the player dinner was in, um, at, at uh, Graceland. Yep, I remember that. And, um, oh, hold on a second. My wife is trying to get into the driveway. I'm going to pull up a little bit. Um, and so... We were at Graceland for the player dinner, and um, so we got to eat, like, we were across the way, and then we got a tour of Graceland, and uh, I don't know, the number of famous places I've been surrounded by Magic players, like, uh, I went to Pro Tour Rome, and then we, I stayed afterwards, and we were, like, visiting the Sistine Chapel, and I'm looking up to see the Sistine Chapel, and I look down, it's, like, just Magic players, yep. as far as the eye can see. Yep. Uh, 
But uh, did you enjoy the travel? Like travel around the world? Is that, is that uh... yeah? Like traveling is really fun. Like the downside is it's really hard to travel and sightsee and also focus on magic. So it's actually like a grind and very tiring. Yeah. So like, there's like, so for a European one, for example, I like to try and go a week and a half before, so right. get, so I can get used to the time zone, uh, get a little bit of sightseeing in, and like get some rest and like then focus on practicing for the pro tour. It's funny, your experience, my experience is very different, because, like, I'm, I, I don't have a lot of prep. I mean, I, I have, back when I used to work on the Pro Tour, I had a little bit of prep for the for the video, but not that much. Um, and most of my work was when I got there, it was just, like, you know, I, I had busy days. I'd have to get there, like, early in the morning and stay late at night, just like you guys. But uh, I was busy behind the scenes putting things together. So I miss the Pro Tour. I don't really get to go to the Pro Tour much anymore. So, uh, there, like I said, there was a period where I had been to every single Pro Tour. In fact... For the eight years I went, I think I only missed one pro tour, and that was for the birth of my my oldest daughter. And other than that, I had a, eight years I had a, a streak. So, hmm. but it's, like I said, it's so much seeing the pro tours now. It's just so so different. Um, I, I wish because as my job was to oversee all the coverage and like seeing all the stuff they have now, I get so jealous. I'm like, if I had just a fraction of that back in the day, um, but the internet wasn't what it, you know. It, it just wasn't. Oh yeah, it's a different time. So. But anyway, I'm not like okay. Now we've we've got close to our, our full. I, I want to give you full thirty minutes of podcast. Um, but I want to thank Melissa for joining me, and uh, it was fun doing our, our two podcasts here. And I hope you guys learned a little bit more about the Pro Tour and uh, a little more insight about what I don't know all, all, all the fun that comes with going to the Pro Tour. But I've just pulled into my driveway, so ironically, that means it is the end of my drive from work. Uh, and so instead of talking magic, it's time to. We'll go have dinner, actually. So anyway, thanks for joining me, and we'll see you guys next time.